And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Makes it a two-point game. There's your mismatch right here. Now it's Luka. Deep three on Hello and welcome to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Mavericks podcast that's part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Tim Cato. I am the host. Um, we're back after a, a bit of a break. I don't even know how long time time has ceased to exist, but you know, I think we probably recorded one, what, three weeks ago. So it's, it's, it's been a little while since we've talked, Dave. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, got in a little mini vacation. And, I was going to uh, say well-rested. No, 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 no. <laughs> There's no such thing as rest in the world we live in, Tim. Okay, uh, but That's I feel fair. a little bit better. Um, I haven't thought about basketball for you know like nine days. Pretty nice. All we're looking for is incremental improvements, little little bits better. If we can do that, then then I think it's a success. So yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, you know, it's it's uh it's it's good to take. You know, I know you were working through the finals, unlike me. Uh, who who was able to take it pretty chill in in September? So uh, you definitely needed that. You definitely needed uh, some break. <laughs> yeah, and, it was good. And, uh, I went out into the woods. Uh, went into Colorado. Um, you know, it was nice. And, and this this feels like a forced transition, almost because it's too easy. But like, we're not going to have a lot more chances to take breaks between between here and then in the start of next season, uh, because more and more it's looking like December twenty second with games on Christmas a few days later is the plan for the NBA coming back. And that is, that is awfully soon. That's, uh, um, that's about, that's less than two months. Yeah. And you know, we were talking about this before we started recording, you know, I, I talk to uh, people in the league often and um, the last time I'd really talked about next season with anyone was August. And back then it was okay. Maybe MLK weekend um, or MLK day could go as late as mid February, even early March. Because their hope was, they they were actually hoping we would have our act together as far as the COVID-19 goes and could potentially have limited fans and arenas by then. So at that point, it was worthwhile to sort of push the start date back to wait for the fans because, A, it's extra revenue. But, you know, I, I think that everyone agreed that the one thing missing from the NBA finals was actually the fans. And I know that sounds weird. For a guy that really doesn't care if fans are in the building or not. But it is true. I, I think that, you know, it, it didn't have the same gravity, uh, the same weight when the Lakers won the title as it would have if they had done that in front of their home fans. I think it would have been way better uh, for everyone. You, you and, had your come to Jesus <clears throat> moment. Well, no, no. no. Did, my, my, issues you, <laughs> never, my issues has never been the fans. It's, it's the way the fans are treated by teams. But that's neither here nor there. I don't know. Uh, it sounds like you did drugs in the woods on this on this vacation <laughs> and just had one of those uh, one of those epiphanies that, that you're never going to come back from. So, yeah, uh, but we can't rule it out um, now that, you know, we it, it appears as if 
we are not going to have our act together. And it's not just like not having a vaccine for this, which none of us should expect a vaccine to, to be arriving ahead of schedule. Remember, best case scenario was always 12 months to 18 months. That was best case scenario. I don't know why everyone started jumping the gun on this, but you also have the logistics of vaccine deployment, which is going to take, you know, six months, a year, potentially, because healthcare in the United States is not exactly organized, um, nor is it uh, available to everyone. There's a lot of rural parts of America that are hard to get to. So um, I just think that reality has set in. And if you're the NBA, you're not going to have fans in these arenas. So why wait? Why not try to get yourself back onto your own schedule? And it, by starting around Christmas and, and a 72-game season, potentially, they could be back to free agency next year, July 1, July 4, something like that. Uh, I think that that's an, the ideal for the NBA. I've been pushing for a Christmas Day start forever, so I'm excited to see how it goes. I think the NBA, from a television standpoint, could really dominate for six months when there's, you know, baseball is just warming up starting in April. Maybe, you know, we'll see how it goes for them. No football to contend with. I really think that this was the way to go anyway. I don't know about the 72 games in that, in that length of time, but uh, it does look like they're trying to be smarter about scheduling and, and they're going to do more regional clustering. So yeah, I think we, we're We might be back really soon. Tim. Well, well, yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk logistics because you know we could we could probably go twenty minutes on on healthcare and and uh, sure. ratings talk and and how they do or don't matter. I don't care um, about ratings. First of all, so <laughs> I don't. I don't either. I, I so just, yeah, that's not my don't, job. Don't do do not set me do not set me off on this rant. So let's let's just let's just go right <laughs> to logistics. And um, I think the best way to do that is is you know the best version that I've seen really laying out all the possibilities is John Hollinger's uh, breakdown titled, uh, you know, the NBA's December restart, why do it, how it might work, who benefits and more. It's, um, this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. I think by far the most interesting thing in Hollinger's piece is the idea that they might eliminate. And, and I, you know, I think this is one of those things where he's not citing it. You know, it's not sourced 
but it is informed. It is sure. some an idea that has been passed around with conversations. It's a lot of what I do, where I will not put a leak source tells me, but I will write something that I know, you know, is inspired by by conversations I've had. Um, and and so he says that they might eliminate uh, non conference opponents. That that there is a possibility that the the Mavericks, you know, since this is the team we cover, uh, the team we're talking about, they would play eight games against their four in division teams four games against the other conference opponents and that would be 72 games so so initial reactions that's that i mean it would be dramatically different yeah and and it's going to be more heavily weighted toward your division which i think is obviously the wrong direction but given the circumstances um everyone's just going to try to make their best of a bad situation so i think that whatever they can do to limit travel to limit interactions to be honest with you like do you like? I, I thought that his point about the All Star Game was very important. The last thing you want to do is mix a bunch of guys together from a bunch of different teams. Um, that being said, they're going to be mixing together anyway. So I, I think that they're going to run into problems that every league that isn't the NBA or NHL are running into. I mean, you know, we we've seen COVID positive tests in baseball uh, derailing games and and entire teams. We've seen it in football. I, I think that. It has to be expected that the NBA will have that. I do appreciate, though, that by leaning into the division games, they are able to mitigate the ripple effects of those positive tests because you can pretty easily reschedule a game for two teams that may have an issue, um, especially with the, the extra games within the division. So it wouldn't be difficult if you did have a team that, let's say, has to shut down for two weeks, a whole team. They have to shut it down for two weeks. So they take a two-week break, and you just swing their their remaining games, I guess, on the back end, and you can work it out because the travel isn't going to be as bad. So, you know, we'll see. Um, I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about anything the NBA does. They clearly have, have gained a lot of respect from... They, they deserve optimism right now. Yeah, I, I mean... I think they did such a great job with the bubble, and it was full commitment, full buy-in. Um, it's pretty obvious that the, the the people that they're working with know what they're doing, and I think that that's important. So, yeah, I think this plan works. I mean, whatever gets them the closest to a full season on a regular schedule is the best move, and, and this seems like the first step in that direction. Yeah, so I, w- I want to talk more, you know, just about the competitive aspect of of what would happen if you, you know, you played a majority of your games against division opponents. I, I agree, it's not the right direction long term, but but it's not. It, you know, this is not the NBA saying we actually want to boost division rival. Of course, it's not. No, but it's going to be I great think- for the Orlando Magic. <laughs> you know, right. like the Orlando I- Magic might win sixty games. I think I think it'd be great for 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 the Mavericks, you know, as as compared to you know what what's the what is the Pacific Division is is Portland, you know Portland Denver, um, the two LA teams and and the Warriors is is that is that the five? I think it's Sacramento is in that. Division. Oh, you're right, it's Sacramento. But you know, like to be in that division, you know, it's it's it puts this weird, you know, that that's unfair to them. Obviously, it's unfair that those. You know the Warriors, the two LA teams in Portland have to play each other. You know if if that's ends up being what it is, as often as they would. 
Um, it's just the reality of the situation. So as we're looking at the Mavericks and trying to assess, you know, I, I think it would be a lot of fun to play the Pelicans and the Grizzlies that many times. Um, the Rockets are are very much in flux. We have no clue what they're going to look like next season mm-hmm. with the with the new coach uh, that that we don't even know know who it is yet. Um, the Spurs are the Spurs you know, are always, trending down, tr- but yeah, trending down. All, always competitive, but but definitely trending down. So so I do think it would be beneficial to the Mavericks. Um, you know, unfortunately, so that that we would have to go into you know this the, these circumstances. But but I think it would be beneficial. I, I think the Mavericks would would clearly be the favorite to to win that um division uh you know barring barring what houston does maybe maybe you know they they come around and have a great off season so you know yeah. i don't want to rule that out just just yet but i think it's 1a you know, and 1b as of today right right I, I think i think that's fair so you know and i i think the the other thing is is even though it's competitively unbalanced i i guess the other idea is that once you get to the postseason um combined with the the ability to to have the play in tournament um, so a team that that might struggle a little bit would have a chance to to you know still sneak into the playoffs if, if mm-hmm. they if they uh, deserve so on talent you know I, I think that's that's beneficial I think that's important and um, I, you know yeah. I actually do I, I do expect sort of a bubble playoff like I would not be surprised when you consider the quality of play from from this year's playoff bubble yeah uh, the fact that you know. They're going to be wanting to mitigate injury risk, obviously infection risk. Infection during the regular season is one thing that you can, you know, if LeBron James has to miss two weeks, God forbid, because he catches COVID, it, in the regular season, that's fine. You can't have that in the playoffs, you know, for, for right. your, the integrity of your league. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they do the, the regular season and then do a bubble playoff, kind of like what baseball did, uh, in which case – the seeding, we as we know, like the good teams are going to win no matter what. Like there's no, there, there's not going to be travel. There's not going to be home court advantage. There's not going to be all these weird things. And so, you know, I think I'm with you. The seeding, who cares? This is why. Yeah, I like, you read I, my you know, mind of where I was going. Right. Yeah. So I, I'm totally on board with that. I, I think, you know, I, I wish them the best of luck because it's going to be tough to pull off no matter what. Um, but they've already proven that they that they can do it, and it's about the the players and the league itself coming together and saying, "Hey, you know what? We're going to make this work." So um, the division thing is going to be weird, though. I mean, the poor Minnesota Timberwolves. Like, how many are, are they going to win? Twenty games? What playing they didn't Denver, this year? <laughs> Utah, Oklahoma City, and who's Portland? The, who's the last team? Portland. Yeah, yeah. Wait, Portland? I thought no, Portland specific. <clears throat> Portland's in Northwest. We... Okay, in Northwest. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so we're missing. Yeah. Oh, we're missing uh, Phoenix from uh, right from the Phoenix from the, was in uh, the Pacific, yeah. And then okay. there's the whole okay. Toronto situation, you know, where they'll have to be based somewhere else. So, but oh, again, this is a Western at, Conference know, podcast. We're I not know, talking Toronto. <laughs> go read uh, John Hollinger's article because it really lays out all of the different angles that the league has to approach this from, and it does it concisely and clearly. And I, I think that it's it's probably one of the best potential restart in December articles that I've seen yet. I mean, it, it really is very informed and, uh, you know, it's, it's John Hollinger. Like he's amazing. And the one disclaimer I'll throw out there is that as mentioned at start, this division idea is not, you know, a certainty or, or confirmed. It, it does, it does seem like the logical, uh, conclusion, e- even if there are some non-conference games, I still think that they're going to end up playing division in division rivals, uh, more than four times like they usually do. But uh, you know the the eight and four, eight against division, four against conference. 
uh, that's that's certainly not locked in. So it'll be interesting to see how how that pans out. I, I do think that makes lo- logical sense. But but yeah, we'll 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 see what materializes. Um, the the one way that this could be a a disadvantage, the the season starting sooner, is that Christos Porzingis underwent surgery a couple weeks ago, and it's not particularly worrisome surgery. It's it's worrisome in in the bigger picture that Porzingis is a player who continues to have knee injuries. Um, but but essentially what what we understand and we don't have the specifics of what the meniscus injury uh, was, you know, how much of it was damaged. But but by the you know, he, he suffered the injury in game one. He played the next two games. He was optimistic about returning in the second round if the Mavericks made it that far. And he also waited a while to do the surgery, which suggested, you know, could suggest any number of things. But, you know, I, I, I feel like probably what happened is, is that they had a minor surgery to remove a piece of the meniscus not Mm -hmm. you know far from the whole thing Uh, players like Derek Rose have had their entire meniscus removed um for for, you know I I think he it sounds like he just had part of it removed and and that's an injury you can recover from in in a month or two uh which means that Porzingis is probably you know probably will be playing fairly soon into the season if, if he's not ready for December 22nd or December 25th um but yeah, I think I think that is the the one downside to to the season starting up a little bit sooner, um, and it seems like all the all the wheels wheels are in motion for that to happen. Um, well, so let's not so forget yeah. this team. I mean, they had a playoff run, right? Like it, it, this would be an abbreviated off season for all of these guys. Um, they played a lot of basketball in the bubble. I, I know that it, like it's hard to to wrap our heads around it because we had all this time with with you know all these teams taking time off. But they played a lot of basketball in five weeks in the bubble, and clearly they, they there are some positives to that. They're going to be a step ahead of the teams that didn't make it to the playoffs or, or didn't make it to the bubble. Uh, but as you pointed out, and, and I you wrote about it over at the Athletic, where you can subscribe for a buck a month, right one dollar at theathletic.com. Slash 77 minutes in heaven. Uh, but you talked to my buddy <laughs> Jeff Stotts uh, from InStreetClothes.com, uh, which, you know, go follow him on Twitter. He's a fantastic follow for injury news uh, because he really breaks down the recovery cycles and, you know, expectations when people are recovering and coming back from injuries. And, you know, I, I thought you guys did a really solid job of pointing out, you know, there are, there are different levels to meniscus tears. And it does appear as if this one is the you know, trim off the the messed up part, not the uh, try to repair or or remove the entire meniscus. I think if it was a, an entire meniscus removal, we probably would have known about it because I doubt we would have seen you know the potential for for Kristaps coming back. So well, and again, um, he played like that. Right, you know, maybe right. he did outside of the possibility that that he suffered one thing in game one and, and made it worse in game three, and they just haven't revealed that. I, I do think that. Yeah, all these signs pretty clearly point to a to a minor meniscus tear as far as those go. And yeah. you know, it's not good that he suffered it. It you know, the meniscus does matter. It's it's essentially the shock absorber absorber of the knee, um, as as uh, as Jeff described it in, in that interview we did. Um it's important, but but you can lose, you know, some of it as as we suspect happened and, and be fine. I, I wish mm-hmm. the Mavericks were a little bit more forthcoming with exactly what, what went down. Um usually they are. So, um, but, but I, I guess, you know, the big question is just to, to see where Porzingis is at in, in a month when we're probably, you know, yeah, thinking about I mean, training camp starting back up. And, and I suspect that he will, you know, not be, you know, fully participating from the very first day that the, the team meets back together. But, you know, sooner than later, 
you know, he will be on the court. He, this is not something that's going to cause him to miss the season or or maybe even miss, you know, more than a week or two of games is is kind of where I'm feeling. And, and hopefully I'm right. So fingers crossed. Well, well, this is a playoff team. And so I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if we see him on some sort of a modified minutes limit. He should be. Uh, and 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 possibly all season. I actually don't I don't know if they shouldn't do that with Luca to be honest with you, because of the workload that he carries. Um, again, just thinking about the short turnaround on the offseason, going into next year with these playoff expectations. I mean, this is a team that should be looking to get out of the first round of the playoffs next year, I would think. So, yeah. uh, you know, I expect them to treat their entire team with kids' gloves, and, and I wouldn't be shocked if we see them make some free agent moves that are short-term moves, maybe one year, one year with an option deals, to try to bolster their roster a little bit to add more depth so that maybe they can go 12 or 14 guys deep on any given night to try to cushion the minutes load of Porzingis and, and of Luca. But yeah, I, I'm not too worried about, about Kristaps knee other, you know, other than the fact that it is a knee injury and they're all worrisome in, in the greater scheme of things. And that he is a seven foot three unicorn with this uh, unprecedented kind of body type and play style. Um, and we don't know the long-term effects of that knee. I mean, but to be at his age and to have suffered the knee injuries that he has certainly increases the worry threshold level. Like I am probably more worried about his meniscus than I would be if Luca had to have a loose body removed, for instance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I, I think those, those very strict, Injury plans, uh, rest plans, uh, staggered, you know, staggering when they play and all these things for for Luca and for Kristaps and quite frankly for, you know, I think all the role players, uh, you know, if needed should should get time off and days off. I, I think that if, if the season schedule ends up looking as as we talked about as as Hollinger, you know, sort of predicted it might look, I, I would I would think I think it would be like a breath of fresh air for a coach to come say, we're going to make the playoffs. We don't care what our seat is. We're going to maximize in this very weird season. You know, nothing about this season matters except winning enough games to get to the playoffs. And I think specifically in this division, while, you know, the, the teams that they're facing are are tough, they're not, you know, outright better than the Mavericks, that, that, that these are teams that the Mavericks should beat. And with no fans in the stands, there is no guilt trip of, hey, yeah. I just paid $400 to come see Kristaps Porzingis play. That's a and great I, point that I had. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing that people, you know, pay money and expect to see stars and, and good players. That's not a bad thing. Like that is actually just that's supply and demand. That's how it works. But when you take that away, it means that teams can just use strategy on the court and not have to think about the fan considerations, which, you know, to a certain degree, yeah, you, you need to get Kristaps on national TV and things like that. But uh, I, I think that it will potentially be the season of load management because of the short turnaround and because of no fans in the stands. I think that we're going to have to really change the way we're evaluating players for next season. I think it's going to be an interesting year. We might, we might also get a lot of really great stories where guys who were on the cusp of an NBA roster, those 13, 14, 15th man get an opportunity. And maybe we see that some of these guys can actually play. They soccer has done things like expanding to five subs instead of three. Mm -hmm. The NBA should just increase the roster size to 17. 
just just do away. You know, maybe mm-hmm. you do that in addition to the two-way guys. I would probably just say you get 17 players. There's not going to be a G League season, I don't think. Um, and if there is, it's it's going to be untraditional. There's not going to be any chance that a two-way guy can be going up and down. The, I, I'm almost certain those two roster spots will be, you know, turned it into legitimate. Me. Yeah, I, I, it feels it feels like it's it's the It'll, only it's the right yeah. natural move to make. It'll take some renegotiation of the CBA to a certain degree, right. but they're doing that anyway because they have to rewrite option dates and and free agency rules and all these other things that have been affected by the schedule change. So they will get to that. I, I'm with you. I think that they'll wind up turning those two-way spots into at least for one season, hey, we're going to convert you to full, you know, a full roster spot uh, because it, it's just necessary at this point. And, and, and I we'll do think some- it's going to be weird, but, you know, hopefully safe. And we'll probably see those spots, those into the rotation, into the into the roster spots, probably go towards veterans more than more than developmental, you know, players like those two ways. Because you do, you like, like you said, you do want just some guys that can fill minutes on the end, on the, end of the bench and can play. Yeah, and and you never know when you might, you know, just randomly lose a player for two weeks because of COVID. You know, on top of all the already natural injury concerns that come with sports. Mm-hmm. And we know so Joe Johnson is in shape. So, you know, let's. <laughs> Seven time all star. Yeah. Hey, all right. So, look, before we close, wait, yes. before we close, let's go. I've got a bone to pick. Okay. Because you wrote, <laughs> you wrote one of probably my favorite articles of yours that I've ever read uh, last week at The Athletic, which you can subscribe to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash 77 minutes in heaven. It's one buck a month. Go tell your friends. But you wrote Giannis Antetokounmpo will be a Mavs target. I hope he signs elsewhere. And I have to say, I agree with you, Tim. Thank you. My bone to pick is with the people in the comments who were arguing against this. Listen, anybody who's ever built anything from scratch knows how great it feels when you're finished. Now you can go to Ikea and you can buy a dresser that is all, you know, you've got your list and your parts and everything's kind of pre-made and it tells you which screws go into which hole. Oh, great. Looks nice. Sure. Might look exactly the same as the one you make from scratch. But the one you make from scratch feels so much better. Homegrown talent winning a title should mean more to a fan base than going out and purchasing a title. And I say this as someone who grew up a Yankees fan. I grew up a Yankees fan. And do you know that the titles with the core four, the guys who came up through the farm system, felt so much better than, you know, those 2000, later 2000s titles where it was, all right, we just have more money than everyone else. So we're going to throw it at them. Don't talk to me about Paul O'Neill. Relax. But my point is, I, I get exactly what you're saying. And it doesn't mean that teams like the Lakers that actually can go out and just get free agents should feel any less about their titles. I mean, that's the Laker way. But the Mavericks, that's not how they've done it. And I thought you you made a great point when you talked about them punting on running back for a second title because they wanted to take a big swing and free agency and try to have a little bit higher level of sustained success I'm with you. I, I think that 2011 title, they should have run that team back the next season. I mean, obviously, hindsight's 2020. But wouldn't that have felt better than what they ultimately wound up doing? I'm asking you, as, a, as you're a Mavs fan. I'm, I'm not. 
So wouldn't that, would that have felt better if they ran it back the next year with the guys that got you there? Then yeah, if you I'm would not, have signed LeBron, uh, Anthony Davis, or whoever else in 2012, you know, like I, I just th- think that there is something to this. Like the Warriors run, it gets painted as this thing because Kevin Durant came over, but they won their first title. That was a homegrown title. They went 73 and nine. That's homegrown. I don't reference Bill Simmons a lot and what he does. I, I do think that his idea that championship titles, the actual trophy, should be larger or smaller based off, you know, the the weight of that title. That's that one's genius. I'll I'll give him credit. I like that a lot. And and the argument has been for for a while now that, you know, what trophy would be larger than that 2011 Mavericks title after the the failure, the the 2-0 and then losing in 2006 after after losing in the first round and um you know and then going to his MVP trophy for Dirk you know that that trophy for Dirk meant something you know and it, you know I, I read this in the piece it's, it was almost like a it was a life lesson and you know if if he had gone and signed the best free agent if the Mavericks had gone and got the best free agent the previous summer and they had won there still would have been a life lesson in there somewhere you know it still would have mattered Dirk still would have had you know these great feelings but something about him finally breaking do through and doing it himself was a life lesson that you know even in the world that everything is 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 the way it is um meaning mostly bad <laughs> sometimes good things and the right things still happen to the right people and yes as a Mavericks fan you know in that in that era you know I was I was you know growing up I was in high school when that title happened um, you know, I may not be a re- really be a fan right now, but I can still connect to my fandom then and what that meant to me and what it meant to see Dirk experience that. And then just what it meant for Dirk himself to experience that. So, you know, I my argument was that for just in case nobody read it, it, it was essentially that, you know, the, the, the basketball reason is that the Mavericks have constantly over pursued free agents, not got them and then, you know, shot themselves in the foot by by you know just pursuing free agents at at no cost obviously the stakes are different here i don't know you know whether they're going to do that i don't know if if they're actually front runners to be honest i I don't know any of that stuff you know i I mentioned that that wasn't really the point of the piece the point of the piece was more about how inevitable it would feel because you know as far as fitting on a basketball court those trio porzingis luca Giannis would be perfect they would be holy i read in the piece they would (laughs) would be incredible yeah yeah it would be you know they they fit together so beautifully and and i truly you know Giannis. it would be it would be fun to watch for about 20 minutes man i would very quickly become very interested you know that's the thing like just because i I hold one opinion doesn't mean i couldn't enjoy the inverse this isn't a a black and white you know a a one or zero a you know it's it's not one of those situations with me i I could definitely enjoy and 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 appreciate covering and and you know just the, the challenge of of the of the entire media landscape you know, having their eyes focused on my market, that that would be that would be a different sort of interesting challenge that I would enjoy. But ultimately, especially knowing what this Dirk title meant, especially knowing the team's history, knowing that in 2011, Dirk did it alone and that this team, you know, any title they get following, you know, in any title in, in this franchise's future that they get will have to stack up against that 2011 one. And yeah. I just think getting Giannis would... You know, they just wouldn't. They they wouldn't compare. They they would not compare to the glory and the magic of that moment 
um, that I remember experiencing as a fan then. And, and that, I, that I, I truly appreciated seeing someone like Dirk, my favorite athlete ever, uh, it, it get, get to experience. And so, you know, they can win a title with Luca and KP. They can. Like, I, I, we know this. We've talked about this time and time again. It doesn't mean that they, they just say, we're not going to try to improve the team. You can improve the team without going and getting, you know, the, the nuclear missile that, you know, that, that, that would be Giannis. Or, or, I mean, but I obviously, piece, if they can, you know, the, they should. <laughs> yeah and i also you know of course and, yeah. and i write this in the piece like yeah. i am coming at this as a, as a perspective of a of a, a former mavs fan right uh not really want it as much anymore i'm a basketball writer i am not in the front office if i'm in the front office and i said now i mean i think we'd be too good if we got Giannis. right i should get fired it you would, should get it fired would be heresy yeah 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 but but i'm not <laughs> and so that's why i can write this piece and right you know a lot of people misunderstood that um, you know, that I that I sincerely thought that Donnie Nelson shouldn't pursue him. No, I was never saying that. Some people thought it was a basketball thing. Clearly, Listen, I said Duncan Robinson. Piece, so. I said Duncan Robinson was a, a dark horse for the finals MVP. This is before the, the series started. And people thought that this is a prediction. So uh, I would not be shocked that people uh, were saying that you were an idiot for this. But Here's my thing. I'm not into uh, moralizing sports necessarily. I'm not even really that big of a sports fan anymore. Um, <laughs> like, I, I just don't care about sports. I'm not a fan. I haven't been a fan for a long time. Um, you don't have emotions invested in it. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah, a basketball coach. Which is very That's different than, yeah, yeah, you can follow it. You can analyze right. it. You can be very knowledgeable about it. You but can, with that you being said. that. Yes, exactly. So with that being said, I can put myself in other people's shoes. I just feel like, you know, and again, I have been a fan in the past. I just feel like there has it has to be more fulfilling as a fan to be able to watch the guys, you know, almost grow up together going through the process. I mean, I was a Bulls fan as a kid. It sounds funny. Bulls and Yankees. I'm for Virginia. We don't have our own teams. So you just pick whoever's good. It's also a 49ers fan. Get off my back. But unbelievable. I, I can see your face right now, Tim. But, you know, like I was a Bulls fan. I remember losing them losing to the Pistons years in a row in the playoffs and finally getting over that hurdle. And then they, they of course, win that first title. And I remember that distinctly. It was like a part of the journey. Whereas if you go out and get Giannis, well, there is none of that. There is no rivalry there anymore. And it's it's the, you know, I understand we put rings over everything and that's just kind of how it goes. If you don't win a ring, you suck. I mean, you look at what's already happened with Miami since the finals. It's like, oh, well, they probably never should have been there. And I just think that, um, you know, as a fan, it has to be more fun that way. That being said, yeah, if you're the front office, you should definitely get Giannis. Like, because the goal is to win. Right. But do we want to see a 70 win, a 70 and two Dallas Mavericks team? We should we should write us, you know, we should do a podcast or I should write a story sometime about how rings culture came to be over hmm. the past decade. Yeah. So, well, it has affected it's, it's free a whole, agency. So, it's a huge other conversation that, that yeah, we can't have right now. But well, I do rings, agree that... Rings culture has affected free agency in a way that I think is negative to the league's um, health in general, where you now have people who are fans of players instead of teams. I think that that's bad overall. It's great for players. You know, LeBron James travels well. As the Lakers have found out, 
But I, I do think for the health of the league, it's overall it's a bad thing. But that's a I'm conversation you, Dave, we for do another not, day. We do not have time for for as, as much nuance <laughs> and complexity that that would go into this. And I that's I, could, right. I could go for. But but yeah, I can't I, wait I, you know, to get aggregated saying with you. saying that I I hate Giannis uh, getting signed by the Mavericks. I think it'd be a huge mistake and all these. I other mean, things. aggregators would have to listen to seventy seven minutes in heaven, which uh, to this point I don't believe they have. <laughs> well, they should, and they should go to theathletic.com slash seventy seven minutes in heaven sign up for a buck a month just just remember you're doing it for my coffee habit so in a sense you're doing it for me thanks everyone thanks for tuning in we'll be back um probably after the draft and shortly before free agency if those two you know we know the draft is november 18th so probably a little bit after that and then we should be ramping up right into free agency then so we'll be back with an episode then um until then hope you enjoyed subscribe to the athletic and uh, we'll see you next time. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.